Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, we've been teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we begin in John chapter 16, verse 7. In John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, It's very necessary. It's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And when He comes, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He says in verse 8. He says in verse 9, 10, and 11, of sin because they believe not on me. The greatest sin is not believing on Jesus because if you don't believe on Jesus, he can't do anything about all the other sins, plural, in your life. He says of righteousness because I go to my Father. The Holy Spirit convicts the world that Jesus is the righteousness of God and he made righteousness available to every person in his death and resurrection. And then he says, of judgment, because the prince of this world has already been judged. Satan has already been judged. He is a defeated foe. Praise God. And if you ever see for a minute how defeated the devil is and how victorious Jesus is and how how awesome God's plan is for your life and how much God loves you, you're going to be done serving the devil. Praise God. Then he goes on and talks about how what he does for the church. Jesus says in verse 12, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you can't bear them. You can't understand them. You can't grasp them now. Do you know you've got to be born again for the Holy Spirit to lead you by the Spirit? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've got to be born again. Jesus said, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm not talking about a change in your mind. I'm talking about being born of the spirit of God. I'm talking about becoming a new creation in Christ. When you believe on Jesus, everything in your spirit changes. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any person be in Christ, the same has become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new, and all things are of God. God is living in your spirit, and he'll lead you in the spirit. Amen? He leads us into salvation first. Secondly, he leads us in revelation. Jesus said he's going to take the thing, he's going to show you things to come, Right? He's going to reveal them to you. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Listen, Lawson Purdue would not be where he's at in life without revelation that came from the Holy Spirit and comes from the Holy Spirit. This church would not be where it's at accomplishing what it's accomplishing without revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. We have revelation. Praise God. So he'll lead you in salvation, he leads you in revelation, and he also leads you in productivity. The Holy Spirit will make you a productive person. Number one, he's going to show you the plan of God. Number two, he produces fruit in your life. So the Holy Spirit makes us productive. But I'm going to talk to you today about another aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John talked about Jesus, and he said, the one who comes after me is mightier than me. I'm not even worthy to bear his shoes, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And if you're born again, if you're a believer, you are a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus could not fulfill his ministry without the Holy Spirit, and I don't believe that you can fulfill your God-given destiny without the Holy Spirit. If Lawson Purdue was never baptized in the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be on this stage preaching right now. Karis Christian Center probably wouldn't be in Colorado Springs right now. You see what I'm saying? God would get his plan accomplished. He'd use somebody else. I would be in southeastern Colorado. I'd be farming and feeding cattle and raising horses, but I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. But when God filled me with the Holy Ghost when I was just 14 years old in a Bible study in my aunt's apartment, I knew immediately that I was called to preach the gospel. I knew that this is what I'm going to spend my life doing, praise God. And so I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost will not only help you in the ministry, the baptism of the Holy Ghost will help you have a better marriage. The baptism of the Holy Ghost help you raise your family better. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Ghost help you run your business. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Ghost make a better investor out of you. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Ghost will help you in so many areas. You need, as a believer, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, I grew up in a non-Pentecostal, non-full gospel church. I was saved, but I was very, very stuck. The church that I was growing up in, my grandparents on my mom's side helped start that church. And when we started going to this Bible study where I and a number of people in my family were filled with the Holy Ghost, they kicked us out of that church. They said, if anybody believes in speaking in tongues, you sit where you're at and stay there. If you don't, stand up and come forward. They excommunicated the Holy Ghost. How many of you know that is stupid, capital S-T-U-P-I-D, exclamation point? Because the, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit, right, leads people into salvation. That church is in a small town in southeastern Colorado. That church had always run 70 to 100 people. My grandparents had started it about, helped start it about 50 years before that. A bunch of our family members were there. That church went from 70 to 100 people, from people being saved and ministered to different good things, to 10 to 20 people, and it stayed there for 10 years. Because you don't kick the Holy Ghost out of church. That is just dumb, double dumb. You see what I'm saying? So we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, they kicked us out of church. But the Holy God, Jesus accepted us. Jesus received us. Amen? And you know what? We went to Bible study for a while, and then uh, Andrew Womack was running the Bible study. He moved up here to Colorado Springs. When he moved up to Colorado Springs, we tried to get a pastor and start a church, but we didn't know what we were doing, and it flopped. So we ended up going to a good, spirit-filled, Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic church. Hallelujah. The pastor immediately recognized that I was called to preach and started developing me, started helping me, started doing different things. But it was a good church. And I was in that church for seven years. And then I went to Bible school, praise God. And once I graduated from Bible school, we moved to eastern Colorado. We were there in, in Kit Carson, Colorado. We pastored a church uh, Church of the Redeemed, we were there for 13 years, and then God called us to come here and start Caris Christian Center. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, I was praying at the altar before I went to Bible school, asking God what the name of my ministry would be. And my pastor said, he said, listen, Lawson, you are too mean to be a pastor. 
you're going to be an evangelist or a missionary or a teacher, but you are not going to be a pastor. You are too mean to be a pastor. So I was at his church, and I was at the altar, and I was praying. And when I was praying, before I went to Bible school, I said, God, what is the name of my ministry going to be called? The name of my traveling, teaching, missionary, evangelistic ministry, because my pastor said I was too mean to be a pastor. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, the name of your ministry is going to be Church of the Redeemed. I thought, wow, I'm going to be a pastor. That's amazing what the Holy Spirit will do. And this is before I went to Bible school. So then I went to Bible school, and in February, before I graduated from Bible school, I was praying about, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And, and I had taught this Bible study in Kit Carson, Colorado, about 60 miles from Lamar, where I grew up, and I taught it just a handful of times. And the Lord said, I want you to call the group of people. There was a group of believers there, five families. And I want you to ask them about if they want you to come there and start a church. And so I called Rachel Mitchick's Rachel Skagg's daddy. And I, his name is Jim. And I said, Jim, I believe the Lord wants me to come there and start a church. And Jim said, well, I'll call you back in a week. I'll talk to the people in the Bible study. So he talked to them that week. They said, we all agree you're supposed to come, so come. Who's done? Praise God. Now, I drove into town. When I drove into Kit Carson, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I drove over the overpass from the east coming from Indiana. And when I went over the overpass, there's a triangular ground between the old highway, the new highway, and the railroad tracks. And, and I looked at that ground, and I looked at Barbara, and I said, that is the best place in this town to build a church. Now, she didn't say anything. We went over to meet one of the ladies who was her husband was in the Bible study. They were one of the families. And, and while we were there, she called Jim and Patty, Rachel's parents. And she said, and, and they said, well, let's go down to the wagon wheel and we're going to have lunch. They had three restaurants then. Now they, they have one part time if they're lucky. But anyway, we went down to the wagon wheel to eat. And while we were, while we were waiting for them to come in, Barbara looked at the lady, Sharon Mahan. She said, Lawson knows the best place in this town to build a church. And Sharon didn't say a word. We went to lunch, and we were sitting at lunch. Sharon looked at Jim, and she said, Jim, Lawson knows the best place in this town to build a church. Jim looked at me. He said, where's that at? I said, that little triangle of ground between the old highway, the new highway, and the railroad tracks. He said, that's really interesting. We bought that two years ago for some type of ministry outreach. I believe we're supposed to build a church. He said, but we don't know what the name should be. I said, well, what about Church of the Redeemed? He said, Lawson, he said, isn't that in Isaiah 35? I said, yes, it's in Isaiah 35, 10. The redeemed of the Lord shall come to Zion, you know, with, with joy, so on and so forth. I can't quote it right now. And I, I said, it's Isaiah 35, 10. He said, you remember last summer when you were teaching the Bible study? And he said, you remember when you taught on Isaiah 35? I said, yes. I remember because I was farming, right? And I had to go that evening on a, on a Thursday night to hold Bible study, and I fell asleep. I took a power nap about 1.30 in the afternoon for about 15 minutes, and the Holy Spirit woke me up, and he said, and he said teach on Isaiah 35. Just so quick. I, I probably had never even read Isaiah 35. I didn't know anything about it at all, but I got Isaiah 35. I read through it. I made some notes because I had to go back to work, and I was going to preach that night and kick Carson. And I went that night, and I was preaching in Carson, and the people got so happy. I thought, listen, this is crazy. I don't know anything about this, and they are so excited about it. <laughs> he said, you remember last summer when you taught on Isaiah 35? I said, yes. 
He said, the week before we had a prophet through it, he said, Isaiah 35 was the vision for this house. We're going to build a church, and it's going to be Church of the Redeemed. And 15 months later, we had a building bought and paid for, and we gave $50,000 to missions and other ministries. Every year I was there for 13 years. Hallelujah. And we didn't lack one bit. Praise God. When you honor God and when you give to God first, you don't have to lack one bit. Hallelujah, God wants to bless you and help you, but you need to honor him and put him first. So praise God, I just, I just spoke up and I shared that. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we have the Holy Ghost? Aren't you glad that we, and, and you know, it bore witness with them, but the Holy Ghost will help you. And if I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, you never would have heard about me. And so what do you need to know about the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, it's a promise from Jesus to the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. He said you're going to receive power. The, the Greek word is dunamis. Aaron talked to you last week about dynamite. It's the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost. It's the special, wonderful, miracle working power of Jesus. The same power that Jesus gave, had, that he operated in when he walked on the earth, Jesus invested that in us as the church. He told his disciples, listen, guys, the whole reason I came is so that, that repentance and remission of sin could be preached to the end of the earth in my name. But don't leave town until you are endued, until you are clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Listen, the whole reason Jesus came, the whole reason he was crucified and resurrected is so that repentance and remission of sin can be preached to the ends of the earth. But you need the power of the Holy Ghost to share it. Amen. So it's a promise of Jesus. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 7, verse 37 to verse 39. It was at the Feast of Tabernacles. It says this, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which those who believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, until Jesus was crucified and resurrected, people could not be born again or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he came back. He was speaking with his disciples in John chapter 20. And he said this. He said, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I believe that's when they were born of God. I believe that's when they were born again. But then his disciples were asking him this question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights. And then after that, he ascended into heaven. About the end, they were asking him, they said they had a political question. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time to Israel? And Jesus, uh, you know, he... he he said, that's not in my power to know. That's in the Father's power. But this is what you need to know. You're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be witnesses to me. Amen? 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. In fact, in the signs of Christ's coming, the last one is this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world for witness to all nations, and we're almost there, and then shall the end come. So you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission, to preach the gospel to the world. And so he told them in Acts, and, and he told them, listen, guys, and, and you can read about it in Luke chapter 24. He said, listen, don't leave town. I want you to go preach the, the gospel to the whole world, but don't leave town without the Holy Ghost. So they tarried in Jerusalem for about 10 days after he ascended into heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, there were devout Jews that were gathered together from every nation under heaven. And right in the middle of everything, God poured out the Holy Spirit. And these Jews that came from different nations of the world to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, they heard these Galilean disciples of Jesus speaking in their own languages and talking of the wonderful works of God. And they asked a question. They said, what does this mean? You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. Peter got up. You know, Peter was a chicken before Jesus. I mean, they were going to take Jesus and crucify him, and Peter was hiding. But you know the Holy Ghost will take the chicken right out of you? The disciples got filled with the Holy Ghost and boldness. And Peter, who was a chicken, who cussed and swore and denied Jesus three times, got up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, he's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And your old men are going to dream dreams. And your young men are going to see visions. And I'm going to pour out on my, my spirit on them, and it's going to come to pass. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he began to preach to them about Jesus and said, this Jesus who you crucified, God raised him from the dead, and he has sent forth this which you now see and hear. They said, what must we do? They asked two questions. What does this mean? Peter said, this is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They said, what must we do? And, and Peter replied to him in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a promise to believers of the Holy Spirit. And when you read about it, there in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, there are actually three baptisms of believers. I believe it's talking about them. He says, repent. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, when it talks about the doctrines of the church, the foundational truths, it says the doctrine of repentance and faith, right? Then it talks about the doctrine of baptisms Plural. There are three baptisms of believers. When you believe on Jesus, when you repent and put your faith in Jesus, amen, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says we're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. That baptism, when it says in Ephesians chapter 4, there's one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's talking about a baptism that's common to all believers. If you're born again, you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. The second baptism is when you're baptized in water. The first one's talking about salvation. 
The second one's talking about identification. Romans chapter 6 talks about identification. And it says when, you, when you're baptized in water, right, that you, you die. You're saying I'm dead to sin, but now I live to God. Just like Jesus died and now he lives, we died to sin. Praise God. Our old man has been crucified with Christ, and yet we're living to God. So we, we count ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. The first baptism is baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, it's talking about salvation. The second one talking about water baptism, is it's talking about identification and you're baptized by a, another believer into water. The third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. John talked about that in Matthew 3, verse 10 and verse 11. He said, the one who's coming after me is mightier than me. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. You know, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it says that a rushing mighty wind blew into the upper room where they were praying and, and, and forked tongues of fire sat on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. You know, I had a good friend. She just went home to be with Jesus. She was up in her 80s. She was a prophetess. In January, her name was Bobby Jean Merck. She was holding a meeting in Atlanta in a hotel, and, and, and they saw flames of fire on the roof on the outside. They called the fire department. There was no fire. It was the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's a sign gift for unbelievers. Hallelujah. He, you know, when you read that in Acts 2, when Peter was preaching, he said, listen, there's going to be signs in heaven above and wonders in the earth beneath. Hallelujah, when Moses, you know, was there praying, asking God what to do, he saw a bush and it was burning with fire, but it wasn't burned up. And he went over and the bush began to talk to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what? We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. God, our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. But there's three baptisms of believers. To know the difference in them, you ask, number one, who's doing the baptism? And number two, what are we being baptized into? So at salvation, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. At, at, at water baptism, that's talking about identifying with Jesus in his work. We're baptized by another believer into water. And, and when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're baptized by Jesus in the Holy Ghost. It's a promise of Jesus for the church. Hallelujah. And so that's the three baptisms of believers. Now, when we begin to think about it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary uh, experience to being saved. You've got to be saved before you can be a candidate. You've got to be born again before you can be a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The, the place we see that in the Bible is in Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8. This is when Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. It's in verse 5. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits cried out with loud voice, came out of many who were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Unclean spirits came out and cried with a loud voice. They heard the demons come out. And it says this, 
They saw the miracles that he did. They saw miracles. How many of you know that Jesus is a miracle worker? But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They'll take up serpents and they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said, the same works that I do and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hallelujah. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God we have the power of God to go and do the same works as Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Generally, churches that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't see a lot of miracles, right? You don't see a lot of healings. You don't hear a lot of talk about that. You know, I have a good friend, and he goes to First Press. He's a good man. I love him dearly. And he said, you know, Lawson, years ago, he said, the, the, the difference between your church and ours, I said, no. He said, at your church, you pray for everybody, and you believe everybody ought to be healed. At our church, we pray. We don't expect nothing. And once in a while, somebody gets healed. I actually, he said, your people are actually disappointed if somebody doesn't get healed. And that I've seen that happen, right? I'm not Jesus, right? None of us are Jesus. But at the same point in time, we believe the word. We believe in the covenant, right? At the same time that Jesus took our sin, he took our sickness. By his stripes, we are healed. Okay, we believe in the covenant. But he said, you know, we, we, at our church, we don't believe for anything. We, we just, you know, pray. And he said, we've seen one person healed in the 30 years that I've been praying at my church. And we've seen lots of people healed. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen people healed from incurable diseases. We've seen people delivered by the power of God. We've seen all, in fact, in the last two weeks, just over two weeks in this church, we've had over 25 people baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And people tell me, I want to see a revival. Just look around. It's happening right here, right now. You can have a revival with just you and Jesus. Hallelujah. I have some every once in a while. Praise God. Glory to God. I had one last Sunday before I came to church. I woke up, and I'd been singing in the night. I'd been singing this song all night, and I, could, I just got in my bedroom. I, I, I told Barbara, go tell that thing to sing that song. She has, you talk to it, and it sings. So it's singing that song, and then I got out of bed, and I started dancing and worshiping, and Barbara had already made her coffee and went downstairs, and I, I went over and said, sing it again, and it sang it again. And then I came, we drove up to church, and they were singing that song. And I came in here, just me and the, and the worship team. And I put both of my hands up in there. And I began to worship Jesus, and tears began to run down my face. You don't have to wait for a revival. You can have a revival right here, right? You don't have to wait to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already been poured out. He's already been given. Since the day of Pentecost, you don't have to wait. They waited till the day of Pentecost when God gathered those Jewish believers from all those nations under heaven. It was a self, it was a revival. It's God's plan revival. I'm going to wait till they're all here and I'm going to pour it out right in the middle of one of the biggest feast days of the year and they're going to go and they're going to take the power of God and they're going to preach about Jesus wherever they go. Hallelujah. That's why they waited then, but we don't have to wait now. It's already poured out. He's already been given. All you got to do is just believe it and receive it. I'm getting way ahead of myself in my message. But in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down, he preached Christ to them. Now what happened? A bunch of people healed, a bunch of people delivered. It says in verse 8, there was great joy in that city. 
Now in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So number one, they got saved. They believed. Number two, they got water baptized, right? Now let's look at verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They were already saved. They were already water baptized, but they had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, for as yet he was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So they got saved. They got water baptized, and then they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, what happened when people got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? In Acts chapter 2, what happened? They were all filled with the Spirit, and they all spoke with other tongues. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Then in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, he was a good Italian man. He was praying, right? He was giving. He gave to the poor. And he wasn't saved yet, but he was praying and he was giving. And the angel of the Lord came to Cornelius and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms, God was pleased, have come up before God. You know what? Good things happen to people that keep praying and keep giving. And he said, I want you to send over to, to the, the next town, and there's a man by the name of Peter. He's staying on this certain street in the house. I think of one Simon, a tanner by the sea. And I want you to go and I want you to get Peter. This was supernatural. Send two men. Well, three went. <laughs> and Peter was over there. He was, he was like us. We like to go nice places by the sea where it's warm in the winter. And he was over there praying. And he was up on the rooftop, and he was fasting and praying, and the sheet came down, and there was bacon and pork chops and ham, catfish, shrimp. Man, I am glad I'm not under the law. There was, you know, everything is better with bacon. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, everything is better with bacon. And so he was, he was praying, and the sheet came down. He said, listen, I, God, I am a good Jewish boy. I've never eaten stuff like this. And, and so he said, I can't do this. He said, right, is Peter killing? He said, no, no. So it went back up in heaven. He kept praying. It came down again. Here's bacon, shrimp, catfish, pork chops, ham. I mean, all this, he said, Lord, I've never, I can't do, rise, Peter killing, no, 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 I can't do that. Went up again, he kept praying, came down again, third chance, Peter, came down, Peter's like, he's arguing with God, it goes back up, and, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he said, Peter, three guys are at the door, they're inquiring for you, you go with them and don't doubt anything, so Peter goes over to Cornelius' house, and he begins to preach to them about Jesus. In Acts 10, verse 38, he said, Haven't you heard how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil? For God was with him. Amen. God anointed Jesus. Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost to fulfill his destiny. And we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to fulfill our destiny. Listen. 
I was very, very, very filled with the Holy Ghost when I asked this beautiful red-headed woman to marry me, and God didn't get it wrong. I, I broke all the rules. I asked her on the third date. Hallelujah, you're not supposed to do that, but it's worked. She told me the other day, she said, you know why God gave me to you? I said, no. She said, so you could have some fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, you need to learn how to have fun. And so you could spend some money. Now, she's really good. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm good at saving money, and she's good at saving money too, but she helps me spend a little of it once in a while, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. But she told me that. Hallelujah. But you know what? I was very filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God gave me my wife. And, and, and you know what? God called me to pastor a church. And God's, the Holy Ghost will help you in your marriage. And the Holy Ghost will help you raise your children. And the Holy Ghost will help you in your business. Listen, don't think that I've got all I've got. And, and listen, Pastor Lawson's doing quite well. Because God's been, not because, I, listen, I make lots of mistakes, but the Holy Ghost helps me. Amen, and God helps me, praise God. And I keep giving, and I keep believing, and I keep praying, and I keep speaking the word, and we keep overcoming. Hallelujah, and we keep overcoming, and we keep overcoming. And the Holy Ghost shows me a little bit every once in a while. Hallelujah. In fact, he showed me about some things about the future, and I'm telling you, it's going to be good. Hallelujah. It's going to be good. And I'm, I'm continuing. Listen. Don't listen to ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, all the bad reports. All right? I watch a little conservative news, and once in a while, you know, the president was going to speak. The liberal president was going to speak the other day. I said, I am not going to watch it because he's going to make me mad. <laughs> and I can't spend my life mad and get done what I need to do. So I did watch about two minutes, and I was mad in two minutes. <laughs> So don't listen to all those liberal liars and don't listen to all the fear-mongering prophets in the church. I am mad. Jesse Duplantis came here and said they got all these prophets and they're all getting it wrong. And if you do most of what they tell you to do, you're going to go broke. So don't listen to them. You want to be poor and broke? Don't listen to somebody that's poor and broke. Listen to somebody that's done something. You need to get three rich friends who didn't inherit from their grandpa or their daddy. And you need to listen to what they have to tell you. I'm telling you, good information. He that walks with wise men will be wise. So they got saved. They got baptized, then they got filled. And, and, and what happened when they got filled? They all spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 10, Peter went over there. We're in Acts 10 now, aren't we? Okay, I'll get over there. Acts 10, 43, this is the end of his message. And while he's preaching to them about Jesus, it says in verse, Acts 10, verse 43, it says, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. Guess what? They believed while he's preaching. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them who heard the word. 
and they of the circumcision believed and were astonished. And, and, and as many came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It doesn't stop with speaking in tongues. They spoke with tongues in Acts 2, and they talked about the wonderful works of God. And they spoke with tongues in Acts chapter 10. These Gentiles, this is how the Jews knew they got saved. Because they received the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, can anybody forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they asked him to stay around a little bit. Hallelujah. Then in Acts chapter 19, Paul was preaching. And he was preaching to some disciples of John. And it says this in Acts 19, we'll begin in verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples. And he asked them a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that's just exactly like the church I came from? They said they believed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they had no relationship with the Holy Spirit. We had no operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nobody prayed in tongues. That was of the devil. That's what they believed. Right? We, there was just, it, just, it was just none. It wasn't exist. We didn't talk about it. We, we said we believed in it, but that's as far as it went. So he said then, well, what were you baptized in? And they said to John's baptism. Then said Paul in verse 4, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It didn't end with tongues. In Acts 2, they spoke with tongues and spoke of the wonderful works of God. In Acts chapter 10, they spoke in tongues and magnified God. In Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Did you know tongues is like a doorway into the other gifts of the Spirit? Hallelujah. Now, most of these churches that are non-Pentecostal, non-full gospel, you don't hear about a lot of operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, once in a while, they let God out of the box. But most of the time, they don't. You know, the pastor that led me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit was in the French church or in salvation. I got saved when I was eight years old in the French church in Penrose, Colorado. His name was Phil Smith. When I was 14 or 15, they came to visit my parents on the farm in Lamar, him and his wife, Iris. And about 10.30 or sometime between 10.30 and midnight, I had him out on the front lawn of our trailer house. And I laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he began to speak in other tongues. He led me in salvation and I led him in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His wife, her name was Iris. She was so mad at my mother. She was mad at my mother for years. And then a few years after that, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit herself. And she wrote my mother a letter of forgiveness and said, I am so very sorry. <laughs> she just didn't understand it. See, sometimes people don't just don't understand it. You know, my granddad was a good Baptist. My grandmother was a good Methodist. 
But they loved Rex Hombard and Oral Roberts. You may not know this, but Rex Hombard was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oral Roberts was baptized, everybody knows that, in the Holy Spirit. Amen, but he's a Methodist, got the Holy Ghost. Amen? But thank God for these ministries that, that have changed the world. We can change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what will the Holy Spirit? Number one, he'll give you power to be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had, had prayed for the man at the temple gate. He got healed, and they brought them in. That was in Acts 3, before the, the leadership of the, of the Jewish group. And they beat them, commanded them not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. They went home and got with their company. They began to pray, and they began to praise God. And, magn and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and the place was shaken. And they said, God, give us boldness to speak your word. Do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And as they were there, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know they got filled in Acts 2, and they got filled in Acts 4. You know, Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And if you study it out in the Greek, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You just need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? He could, Peter compared, these aren't drunk like you're supposed. He compared it to drunkenness. Do you know if you're going to get drunk, you've got to keep drinking? <laughs> Amen? And if you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and stay filled with the Holy Ghost... Amen. You can't get drunk with your mouth shut. Amen. You got to keep drinking. You got to keep speaking. You got to keep glorifying. One of the saddest things is when somebody gets filled with the Holy Ghost, they say, yeah, I spoke in tongues 20 years ago, but they haven't spoken in the last 10 years. You need to keep praying in the Holy Spirit. You need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a doorway into the spiritual gifts. It's for your personal edification. Read this in 1 Corinthians, and I'm way out of time, but I'm just going to go through this really quick. Y'all, it's just too late. Barbara told me not to preach too long, but she got up here and worshiped God for a while, and that's good for you. So I'm, uh, my time's up, but I'm going to share just a little bit more really quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Forgive me, okay? Don't run off. There'll be some good stuff happen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. When you pray in the Spirit, you are being personal. This is the difference between the public gift of tongues and the personal gift. When you personally pray in the Spirit, it edifies you. The public gift of tongues is given for the edification of the church. It means it builds you up. It will build you up. The Bible actually says this in Jude verse 20. It says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know why the Holy Ghost builds up your faith? You know why the devil can't mess with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Because when you pray in tongues, Paul says, when I pray in the Spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. You don't know what you're praying. It's a, like a mind bypass, and that's where the devil attacks you is in your mind. So you pray in the Spirit, it's like your hotline to heaven, and you're praying directly to heaven. 
Hallelujah. So you build up your most holy faith. The Bible actually says this in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities. He'll help you in your weakness. For when we don't know how to pray like we should, the Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. One translation says, uttered in an intelligent language. Amen. You keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Many times I've had people come to me for counsel. And I've just told them, you go home and pray in tongues for 30 minutes a day for a week and then come back and talk to me. I'm just going to give you one example of this. Julie Mapatano, she comes here to church. She has a ministry now in the Congo. She feeds 1,200 single women and kids every day of the year. She's an amazing woman. But about 15 years ago when she's come to this church, her husband died. She had six kids. She didn't know what she was going to do. They bought a house in Atlanta. It, it was going into foreclosure. It looked bad. Andrew Womack and I bought it out of foreclosure for. But it, it just went from bad to worse. We couldn't keep a renter in. It was difficult. And so Julie came to me for counsel. I said, Julie, you need to make up your mind whether you're going to live in Atlanta or live in Colorado Springs. And if Colorado Springs is going to be your home, then we just need to let go of that house. I know it means a lot to you. I know you and your husband bought it. You save money, you work for the down payment. But if you're going to live in Colorado Springs, you just need to let it go and just live here in Colorado Springs. And, and I want you to go home and pray in tongues for 30 minutes for a week every day and then come back and talk to me. She went and prayed in tongues for 30 minutes a day for a week. She came back to me. She said, Pastor, Colorado Springs is my home. I'm going to stay here. Just, we're going to just let the house go. It's okay. And I said, well, Julie, I want you to know in the natural, it doesn't look like because of what's going on. It was in the downturn, right? Economically, that you'll be able to get another house. It'd probably be at least five years. She said, no, the Lord spoke to me and I'm going to get a house in a year. I said, well, Julie, in the natural, it looks like you won't be. Listen, I'm, I'm into honesty, right? I, I, I just want you to know in the natural, it looks like that won't happen. But she said, well, Pastor, God spoke to me and told me I'll have a house within a year. I said, okay, but you're okay, whatever. She said, yeah, whatever happens, I'm okay. So she left. She, we let the house go. But then she was driving down the street, and she saw this advertisement for Habitat for Humanity. She called them. They said, we have no properties available. You have to keep calling us. We don't tell people when they're available. But... You know, if one comes available, we will consider you. You can fill out an application. She was driving down the street about three months later, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, call him right now. She called him up. person said, we just got done with a meeting. We just got out of the meeting. We decided that we're going to build another house. Did anybody tell you? She said, no. God told me to call you right now. She said, okay, come fill out the application. She went... Julie got a beautiful five-bedroom, two-bath home in a very nice area up here in North Powers area. Really nice home. Today, it's probably worth at least $450,000 or $500,000, at least, at the very minimum. Did you know what? They carry, they pay the interest or something. She pays like $600 a month. Not only that, Julie ended up starting a ministry and not only does, and, and she told me, she's told me a bunch, Pastor, thank you for not babying me. I didn't baby her. I just told her, Julie, Jesus is going to take care of you. I did not baby her. Amen? You don't need somebody to baby you. 
Amen? I love you, Julie, but Jesus is going to take care of you. Julie's not only taking good care of her family. Praise God. Her oldest daughter went to Colorado College. Her second daughter went to Duke University. Praise God. Her third daughter, CU. I mean, all of her kids. You know, her kids said, we're going to be like pastor's kids. We're going to go to the best colleges. We're going to get a good education. Do you know what? They've done it. It's what you believe. It's not what you have. It's what you believe. It's who you believe. And if you'll believe Jesus, God is no respecter of persons. He's just a respecter of faith. But listen, if you'll, if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost, if you'll start praying in the Holy Spirit, God will direct, amen, your family, your children, your business, your ministry. It'll help your whole life if you'll just receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.